You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. It is in Dreams. Martin Garcia with the lead. Yono has gone to second in Dreams. Yono is coming with a flourish. Yo, no, yes. Yono, what a rally to win it for James Graham. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 77 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, and I'm joined by the winner of the 2021 Hazard High School Man Pageant, Alan Schneider. <laughs> I vaguely know what you're talking about there. Uh, it was I saw yeah. a couple of pictures on the internet, but it wasn't me. But thank you for the uh, odd intro nonetheless. If you don't know, Google it because it's pretty hysterical. Just like and, everything else in society these days. <laughs> right. And we're also joined. What a pleasure this is. Uh, <laughs> making his return, his triumphant return to the auxiliary gate after 462 straight absences. <laughs> I'm speaking of none other than Brandon Jaggers, the man himself. How are you doing, Brandon? Oh, it's unbelievable to be back on the pod. I missed you guys a ton. Uh, moving and getting married and all these things have, have derailed my podcast a time. But, uh, this night she is taking sewing classes and, and I don't have a list of things to do and move. So I'm happy to be on the pod with you guys for sure. So we sewing know, classes. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. We now, we now know that it takes approximately five months for somebody to get married and moved into a new house. <laughs> yeah, and I still got a house to sell or rent or if anybody wants to know of a house in St. Matthews, let me know. It's it's vacant, clean, nothing's going on. Yeah, same here, Phil. I may be doing the exact same thing Brandon's doing. I'm already married, but I may be going through the same thing in the near future. So, so if you like the Fern Creek area, let me know as well, too. Does that mean you're going to take off another five months? I'll make no. it quicker than that. I'll make it <laughs> okay. quicker than that. Hey, uh, while I'm here, while, while, while I've got the mic for a second, I want to – I always try to recognize our listeners. We got a lot of listeners. We're, we're actually always amazed at the number of listeners we have. I got to be honest with you. But a couple guys I know listen every week, uh, uh, Brock Jamison and Brian Cunigan or Cunigan, Cunigan, I think, uh, among others. I want, I'm trying to make it a point to recognize them and thank them on air for a while. So I want to go ahead and do that. And anybody else listens all the time, I'll get around to you as well too if I know it. But yeah, thanks to Brian and Brock for listening. Big yeah, news for I'm sorry, Brandon. Go ahead. I wanted to mention a, a, an avid listener and one of our sponsors now of the podcast, the Kevin Adams Law Group. Uh, Kevin is a big uh, supporter of the podcast uh, with the sponsorship. You can call him at 502-587-8175. If you have a slip and fall injury or something you want to consult with, 20 years experience. They have the Spanish-speaking attorneys. Help many, many people in the Louisville, Kentucky, and area. And we like Kevin because he likes to open fire at the betting windows. Yes, he does. But not as much as some other people we know. But he's pretty good. Uh, big, news, check. big news for us. Uh, we've just been named the uh, the 14th highest rated podcast uh, in relation to agricultural Industries in Kentucky in Bell County. That was just released today. We're number 14 and we're gaining on number 13. Are we so that, really? Yeah. My goodness. It, yeah. We're is it county strides. specific? <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't have the, uh, I, I don't have uh, a link to that that I can share with you, but uh, just take my word for it. Well, with the tonight's guest, we should be pretty big in Ireland. In a couple of weeks, you know, we'll get to that here in a moment. But I think Ireland, we're going. I mean, our our, our listenership in Ireland in the Emerald Isle has to be going way up. I got yeah. to think we've probably doubled it. Yeah, yeah, we're doubling it at the very least. All right, guys. Anything you want to talk about? Anything on your mind? Uh, is it? Uh, we've got a Breeders' Cup next weekend. Uh, looking forward to that, of course. Churchill Downs opens. Got a big uh, card on Saturday. Nothing but two-year-olds. It's just the way we like it. Uh, yeah. we're going to cover that a little bit later after our guest. 
And uh, anything else on your mind? Ellis Park is going to actually uh, go through with their uh, improvements, uh, and then they're going to open a, a slots or not a slots parlor, HHR parlor in Owensboro, mm. uh, and, and that's going to be uh, huge for purses. Said they might add six million dollars to purses. So, uh, yeah, big big days ahead in Kentucky. It looks like so. Yeah, I think you want to breed your mare or race in Kentucky. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, with Breeders' Cup coming up, I, uh, I am saddened somewhat because Kentucky, Tennessee is that day. Uh, football. Everybody knows I'm a big college football guy, and I'm afraid I, I'm really bad about screwing up Breeders' Cup. I, I actually got married on Breeders' Cup Day 24 years ago, uh, unwittingly. The year that Countess Diane, uh, Pat Burn won the two races and Skip Way won, that's when I got married. So I've done it again this year in Tennessee and Kentucky, so I'll probably have to be at the game instead of seeing the Breeders' Cup live. That just means I'll have to bet ahead. But I really need to work on my scheduling, don't I? Boy, it can take a better win that game. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, Are you to miss know. Breeders' Cup? Good I night. know. If it rains or something, maybe I'll just bet the Breeders' Cup. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I'll tell you, my Breeders' Cup plans for that Friday and Saturday, I'm going to take that Friday off, play a little golf in the morning, and then I'll wind up at the Turf Club both Friday and Saturday. So if anybody's around, I'll be hanging out with some podcast listeners, some great gamblers, Craig and Alan. Hopefully one of y'all can come one of those days. I might so get all that, that out. All right, uh, cool. Matt Linville. Matt Linville is the host. Uh, he is a, a great gambler and won at Keeneland last Friday. Very nice. All right. Cool. All Big right. Time comes ahead. All right. Well. Uh, we've got a great guest coming up here. Um, we've we've been we've been blessed to have a lot of good guests uh, while we the, the the short time we've done this podcast. And uh, uh, guys, we've got another one coming up shortly. Brandon's going to introduce them right now. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. I'm glad to be back on the pod. Uh, but we got a special guest tonight. Somebody that's been racing a lot of years. Known for great rides every time he goes out. This is a really special guest to all of us on the pod and a really great win for one of the members of the podcast tonight, CC. And, uh, we have a guy that, that looks like it started his career or at least, you know, professionally in America in 2003 has carried on so many mounts starts with 20,000 starts, almost 2,800 first place finishes and career earnings of almost a hundred million dollars. I think if we would have waited maybe, I don't know, three or four more months, he would probably eclipse that hundred million dollar mark. So, uh, he has ridden many, many top, top horses. Uh, some that I think a lot of people will know very easily, uh, is the two Emmys horse, uh, Wilcox in lone sailor, hot cha cha. That's a, Big winner in the Queen Elizabeth Challenge Cup, uh, Daisy Devine and many, many more. You can see him in the mornings on the backside working babies and, and, and giving all kinds of, uh, good information to other younger jockeys coming up in the business. Ladies and gentlemen, we have James Graham on the podcast. James, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Man, it's great. And I wanted to reach, reach out and tell, uh, how I found, how I got your number. Was just going to two different people. It was very simple. You know, horse racing is basically a one degree separation, uh, type of deal. So, uh, you know, Justin Curran, our, our, our great trainer and Irishman on the backside of Churchill for transfer Mike McCarthy, uh, helped me, uh, get to your agent. And then, uh, five minutes later, he was, I was getting a call from you and we, we appreciate your time tonight. Oh, I appreciate it too. I appreciate yeah. it. having so many fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as I've been in racing, which is not as long as Craig and Alan, they were born, you know, looking at programs at the age of five. Uh, <laughs> I've seen you race and ride hard. I wish one time you'll be able to write, race one of my fillies, but you know, we got a lot more time. We got a few more starts, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, Craig hey, Allen, if I'm available, I'll ride them. You know that. <laughs> That's right. You never turn down a mount. No. Hey, go ahead, CC. I know you want to thank. I know you want to thank James first and foremost today. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, James. I had a big day, and we talked about this before I came on. Uh, it, it was 
mainly thanks to you and your horsemanship that uh, helped me uh, have a profitable day. I want to talk about those two races that you won today at Keeneland. We're, we're recording this on Thursday. And the first one you win, you won was uh, with a two-year-old son of Tappet out of a very good producer named Zoftig. Uh, his colt's name was Zatip. And uh, Zatip uh, went wire to wire today in his second start. First of all, how did you get the mount uh, for, for Graham Motion and, and Wertheimer and Frere? How did you wind up on this colt? Well, over the years, I've been riding a little bit here and there for Graham. You know, um, when he can't, when the, the likes of Johnny and, and a couple of them other boys aren't in town, you know, he, he puts me on and, and we've been quite successful together. So, um, I guess I was his next, it was his next choice, you know, who we couldn't get. Right. We weren't here. So I, I, it's, it's worked out good for me. I know that. When you crossed the wire, this, this is a good looking colt. How much, under, how much was under the tank when he crossed the line? It was plenty. He was saving a little bit for himself, actually. Um, I was kind of, I'm not down on him, but I think, I think there's more maturing to do and Grayson's going to really help that with him because he's a big animal and, uh, you see where, where his future lies. You think, uh, he could go two turns? Oh, he'll definitely go two turns. Good. So is it, I'm sure this both. is the type. Yeah. So I'm sure this is the type of horse that you would uh, reach out to the connections and say, Hey, uh, next time this colt runs, uh, don't forget me, right? Well, he, where he goes, I don't go. So. He goes to Florida for the winter, and I stay. I go to Louisiana, which has been the mainstay for since for my riding career, you know. Right, right. Um, but there is some three-year-old Derby preps at the fairgrounds, which I know Graham has shipped in plenty over the years for them. Yeah. So, well, hopefully, hopefully you'll hook you'll up. Send them back to me. Yeah, hopefully you'll hook <laughs> up again. So, and then I want to talk about the uh, the last race of the day, and it was a maiden one hundred fifty thousand dollar claimer, and your horse Yono. Looked absolutely dead in the water at the eighth pole, and and then somehow you 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 weaved your way through traffic, and 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 uh, it looked like you had no chance, even you know strides before the wire, and then finally you got up, and then you actually won by a length. Uh, tell us about that trip, and uh, uh, what were your thoughts coming down the stretch? Well, I I was just looking for room. Um, when we broke out of the gate, I squeezed him away pretty hard, trying to hold my position, and he just couldn't. So I sat quiet and let him get his feet together, and halfway around the turn, he started engaging the horses in front of me, which I was last. I was still, what, 15, maybe 20 lengths back, and uh, he started picking them up by himself, so I, I let him go forward. I split a couple of horses, and he really started running. Um, went to split another couple, and, and the horse on the inside came out, closed the hole, I dove to the inside. And I never really got in his way to stop his momentum. He was always going forward from like the three eighths pole. But he finished her off. I mean, he finished fast. Yeah. The last eighth of a mile, I don't know how yeah. fast he came home, but he was rocking. If I could real quick, if I could real quick, CC, it actually brings a, a point I want to bring up real quick. I don't want to in, take CC's time, but when we see races like that, James, where a horse is just absolutely flying down a stretch, looks like there's no hope he can get there, and he does get there. Is this a case where the horse was moving that fast or the other horse is stopping? Was your horse moving as fast as we believe he was or was the, the rest of the field just gassed? I, I think I think it's a bit of both. Um, I think with the trip I had, I should never have got there. Right. Um, but with the way he was willing to go through the little small holes that he went through, I couldn't believe it myself. At the eighth hole, I still said, well, I might get fourth or fifth. That's what I was thinking at the eighth pole. But I got him out into daylight. And, and yeah, he probably stopped the last 16th of a mile. But how many of Brad Cox has stopped? That's right. Right. I don't <laughs> care who you are, how many of them stop. You know? But I, it, was, it, it, it was remarkable watching your horse nip. I was just watching, passing through the living room and, and saw, saw it. It's like, hey, look at this horse move from the back of the pack. It's like he's going to win the race. It didn't just didn't seem didn't seem possible. I can imagine what it feels like to be on a horse such like that. Well, you know what? You you don't. Um, as I was telling Brendan after the race, I said sometimes we overthink things, you know. Um, but if we 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 let him get into his rhythm, we let him pick up by himself, and like he he finished off he finished off properly today. Um, the day I rode him the first time he ever ran. 
he was trying to finish like that and he nearly got put on his head. I had to check him so hard I actually turned my saddle sideways. Um a horse floated out in front of him. But I was going so fast that the only thing I could do was snatch him so hard. I I don't know if Brendan had to get the dentist over to check his teeth afterwards and check him so hard. But it was wow. it was it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> You go back and watch his first run, you're going to say, how did the jock stay on? How did that horse not go down, you know? Um, then I, I took off the right one for, uh, I don't know, it might have been Tom Amos, which is, like, he's, for the last 20 years, I've been riding for Tom, and, you know, he's kind of my my first guy that, that would call, and we tried to give him, we tried to ride what we can for Tom, if you know what I mean. So, and uh, he's been yeah, running we, we, good at Churchill, but he came back and he ran really good today. We've had Tom on the pod a few times, uh, you know, one time, and he, he's just a gentleman. And you're right, if, if he gives you a mount, you got to take it. It's a, I mean, he's always he's just a super guy and trains really well, of course. But I tell you, there's no more thrilling victory in horse racing to, to watch. To come from dead last to win on the stretch. That's in my opinion. I love to see it on turf racing. But today you did it on dirt and it looked like you were racing on turf. So it was awesome. Yeah, he, he quickened really well, which which he did the first time too. He just, it was just a horse floated out in front of him and, and shut him down. Hey, James, uh, I want to take you back earlier in your career. When you first started out in the in the sport, uh, I think you worked for John Ox. Is that correct? When I first started, yeah. When I left the apprentice school in Ireland, I started working for John Ox. Um, didn't last too well. I was too immature to do what they were needing me to do. And, you know, a young lad with a lot of money in his pocket goes, goes the wrong way. Right. For the, for those not familiar with European racing, John Ox is, you know, he, he's probably the equivalent of maybe like a, a Dick Mandela here or, or, or somebody like that. He's, he, he's trained, uh, two arc winners, see the stars and Sindar that, that I know of and, and many more. But did, did, did you gain anything, any, any type of experience working for, for, for Mr. Ox? Well, the horses that we were riding were, they were just, they were just a step above, you know? Um, right. Taught you how to how to sit quiet on a good one. Um, but yeah, his his whole staff. Like when I started, I I was a little punk really, and you know a few <laughs> few slaps around the ear didn't didn't do any good at that age because one thing I wanted to do was ride races, and and as I said, I wasn't mature enough to take the opportunity that was given, and kind of blew it up in the air. So is that what led you to come to America? No, I I worked I worked for a couple of other people and and um, I had a friend of mine hang himself, committed suicide on us. Oh, so it was kind of that was the la- that was the straw that broke the camel's back that made me want to get out, you know. Right. Because uh, I left home when I just turned fifteen, and and he was one of them guys when I had my first ride on the racetrack. He was there. You know, he rode in the same race, and he was having his first ride. So it was kind of a an instant get together bond. Or we're the two newbies. You know what I mean? It was he 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 was a really good friend over the years before he passed away. Right. And uh, yeah, I just want I needed to get out. Yeah, that's understandable. So yeah. grow, growing up, uh, who, which riders did you uh, did you idolize? Or <laughs> try to pattern your riding style after. Well, when we started, the, the biggest name in, in racing business, he's, he's known all over the world, um, was Sir Lester Pickett at the time. He was, he was the king. Um, but as I went, as I went into racing, cause I'm not from a racing family. Um, I grew up in a council estate in, in Dublin and like the only racing we seen was probably once a year with the, with the English Grand National and that was it. That was. That was what we had for racing. We'd all run to the bookies. My mom would put ten pence on on every horse that we picked, and and that was it for the day. <laughs> Couldn't afford it anymore. On if you run forward, you got paid out a little bit, and we were. She was always back in long shots for us because we didn't know any better, you know. Right. 
did she, she, she had six children and nowhere to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came to America, James, uh, did uh, did you have uh, any problems adjusting to the American style of racing? Well, it's it's not um it's not the easiest thing to get adjusted to with horses changing legs and changing leads. Um, and in Europe, you wouldn't want your horse changing le- leads too much because it means they're uncomfortable, you know. Right. Um, but everything's so emphasized on speed in this country. I can remember when I first came, I was riding training races at the fairgrounds, and uh, a real good friend of mine, Bobby Springer, um, who has sadly passed away this year. Um, he put, the guy who trained War Emblem, you know, he put me on a filly and he said, if you tie down Jock, she leaves there like a scald cat. Like, you know, the only thing that held me in the saddle was the pommel and the knot of the rein. Oh, she left me so far behind her. He said, that's the best thing that ever could have happened to this filly. I said, why? He says, now we get to run her and she won't go off at 3 to 5. She'll go off at 12 to 1. Her next start, she won by 15 and set the track record. Wow. All right. So it was kind of, okay. And I started working horses for him, and I was galloping for Jeff Thornberry, me and my wife. I was just, if you'd have seen it, you'd have laughed. It wasn't pretty. Outstanding. All right, Alan, what do you have for, for James? Well, I actually want to touch a little bit, go back a little bit. He's talking about the coming to this country and having to adjust to the speed. Because, you know, there's uh, American racing is predicated on a lot of speed, particularly in sprints. So when you came over here, James, uh, we're going 21 seconds for a quarter, 44 and change for a half. Was that something hard to get used to? Is that something you had to learn? I'm assuming you didn't do much of that in, in Europe. No, well, I rode 86 races at home and, and, um, I I was working for a guy that didn't have a lot, so you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been riding uh, the type of quality that that you would be getting on over here. Um, but we did okay. I went, I ended up winning one race, an apprentice race back home, and and the boss told me, "Ah, oh, just let her go as fast as she wants. She's gonna get tired." He never got tired. Um, I was just it wasn't a good day for me or the boss. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, speed, obviously you've harnessed some, uh, the speed riding over here because it was a couple months ago up at Arlington, you knocked down the Arlington Million, right? With two Emmys, yeah. uh, hard wire going a mile and a quarter. It's the, what they call it, the Mrs. D now. Mrs. And D, beat, yeah. yeah, beat domestic spending, maybe the best turf horse we have in this country right now. Uh, what was that like winning the last Arlington Million? And, and down, down the stretch, did you know you had him measured? Did you know you was going to get the wire over domestic spending? Well, with this horse, he, he's ran some really good races for me. Like I said, a track record on him at the fairgrounds. Um, but I was just hoping that he'd give me two more strides. You know, when you're yeah. on the lead like that, going that far, it's unknown to a lot of horses because they don't have that many type of races in this country. Um, I know you can go to New York, but a horse in the Midwest, there's not too many races go around like that. Um, been lucky enough to ride in it a couple of times in the million, but never got, was never on the best horse, you know? Right. I don't even think I was on the best horse the other day. I just think the race played out, and I got them a couple of extra strides where I could slow it down another notch, fill him up, and I know he's he's one of those, he tries his heart out every time. Well, he has for me, anyway. He has tried his heart out every time I've rode him. Um, uh, and was just that that was my derby, you know. Yeah, I spent like nearly 15 years up in our 12 years, I think, or 13 years I rode in Arlington Park. So that was like that was like the pinnacle of the Arlington meet for so long. And coming from Europe, you'd see all them European horses come in, and you'd be I'd be hanging out with the guys and say, Hey, what's going on here? What about this horse? What about that horse? They say, yeah, yeah, if everything goes right, they'll 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 run the race and they'll they'll be right there. But uh, a friend of mine that works for Aiden O'Brien, he turned around and he told me after the race, he said, You stole that. I said, I didn't steal nothing. They watched me do it. <laughs> stealing because for a horse that's an unknown going a mile a mile and a quarter, you kinda you're hoping for that kind of trip. 
which yeah. is not stealing, is they watched you do it. Yes. Flavian Pratt, who I think is one of the greatest writers in the nation right now. You had Ryan Moore, one of the greatest writers in the world. They're back there behind me. I don't know what they were doing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like they. These are guys that are that are riding the top elite horses in the nation. And they say, okay, well, that's James. He stopped the last day. He's going to be a pacemaker, fall apart. He doesn't fall apart. He just, if everything goes it, if everything goes right, he runs his race. And he shows up every time I've ridden him. Fair juice to you, Robertson. He's an English channel. He's a five-year-old. He's not the prettiest looking animal, but he shows up and he runs. Yeah, he does. That was a tremendous effort. And, um, it's something that actually begs a question with me because I'm 200 pounds. I'm I'm not a jockey, so I'll often wonder in those situations. You're alone on the lead down the stretch. You're on a, you're on a quote unquote long shot, right? Yeah. And you know that uh, Chad Brown's got domestic spending somewhere behind you. You know Ryan Moore and Aiden O'Brien are somewhere behind you. Down the stretch, are you thinking back of your head, "Hey, I've got to be on the lookout." For those two, are, are you thinking about those two horses in particular, or are you just trying to get your horse to the wire? Trying to get my horse to the wire because you know them, them, them horses coming from Europe. They've all got a fantastic kick. Mm-hmm. European horses quick and better than the American horses do. I've said it for years, and don't get me wrong, you'll see it. Sometimes they don't, they don't hit their proper. How would you say? Look at the look at the ones Aiden shipped over this year. Nearly everything he sent over to New York, and even Joseph, when he sent his horses over, they they just they're just able to they know how to quicken better than the American horses. Yes, but that and question. it's a longer sustained run, if you know what I mean. Like they'll, I know they'll gather momentum, gather momentum, gather momentum, and then accelerate. Where American horses just seem that we just push the button, they go. It's short lived, maybe three sixteenths. You might get lucky, you might get a good quarter out of them, but uh, Chad Brown has done a wonderful job keeping his horses because they creep into it and they accelerate too. So Yeah, they do. And, it, and a lot of his horses are European horses too, so it's part of it. Yeah, good quality. Hey, uh, James, I've also noticed, uh, of course, you've been riding for so long and had so, many, uh, so much success at all of our tracks in Louisiana, Kentucky, so on and so forth, but I know it's of late. You seem like you ride more for Rusty Arnold. Uh, well, it's just it, it's just the way it's falling that way. He's looking for the best available, and he's know? got it. Well, I hope so. We were you guys have been pretty successful of late, in, in my opinion. Don't you yeah, think? Pretty good. We do pretty uh, good, Rusty. Yeah, and actually, that brings to mind uh, personally a horse that you won on for him at church in September. It's a two-year-old, a full sister to Farsighted, who I believe is up Sunday in their Stars of Tomorrow program, a two-year-old named um, Raincheck. Yeah. I got assume you're familiar with Raincheck. Yeah. Uh, on, and he broke his maiden in September, really found stride. It's like you waited and let horses pass that day because you knew you had a, a horse with a kick down the lane. And he goes again on Sunday. Do you think Raincheck has that big a future? So is, he, is this a horse we should be looking for on Sunday? Well, I hope so. Um... She's done everything right since since um, since her race. I've worked her a couple of times, you know, just just maintenance, keeping her happy. But she's she's done. She's she's grown. And two year olds this time of year, you know, they they're big babies. And he's another one. Rusty goes to Florida for the winter. He doesn't come to New Orleans, so I don't know where she's going to end. Whose hands she's going to end up in? I just hope when he brings her back, he's that. Uh, that he sees me still available and realizes I'm the only one that's win on her, you know. That's right. <laughs> she doesn't that's win right. again, you know. But, then you're in good but, shape. You're in good shape yeah. then. I, I'm at Rusty every year. Look, I win the Ashland for Rusty. I win races everywhere for everywhere that I've ridden. That Rusty has put me on a horse. I win races for him. Win stakes in Arlington. I win. I win. Races yeah, you know, England, Churchill, you name it, Indiana, it don't matter. Wherever Rusty goes, if Rusty leaves one over and puts me on, I'm James. It don't matter. I tell you what, so that's what you hear, folks. When you see Rusty and James Graham together, get your money down. 
because James has told you they win races, and I'm telling you when they win races together. Uh, that reminds me of a race back at Keeneland earlier this week. I think it was a maiden race. Yeah. And it was a rusty horse. And you got to leave the top of the stretch, and there was a horse come up the inside. I think it might have been Sophie Doyle. Yeah. And you 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 race rolled that horse. You kind of you kept her from getting through. I thought that was a tremendous ride. I cannot remember the horse's name. Can you help me out with that one? Do you know Daisy. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Huh? Daisy. Who was it? B. Yeah. Busy B. B. Yeah. B. Daisy Something B. B. Daisy B. Daisy B. Uh, did did you shut the door on her? You what? What you say? Did, did you slam the door on Sophie Doyle that day? I remember that, that was a heck of a race ride down the stretch. No, no, I didn't slam the door on her. Uh, well, I, mean, I gave her a crack. I gave her a crack, and and the crack, ah. the wind blew it shut. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. I love it. It was. I remember watching that racing man. That is a tremendous race ride. Just tremendous. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was one of your better efforts and stuff. And there's been a lot of them. Um, hey, Brandy, you got anything for James? Yeah. Hey, James. So, you know, I've seen you on the backside of just normal days and then you're racing, you know, in the afternoons or the nights. Kind of tell our listeners kind of what's a daily routine for you and do you really ever have an off day? Um, no, no, but I used to went, when I had a house in New Orleans, um, I take a day off, but now I've got, got, uh, 21 acres at the house. And my normal day, so I leave my house at like 4.30 in the morning to get to Churchill before 5.30. And uh, I go, I work my horses, drink my coffee, um, come back to the house, have have some, some normal breakfast, a couple of eggs, maybe some bacon, some toast. Mm. Um, I'm very fortunate because I'm one of one of the few jockeys that's able to do that. And not be heavy, you know, but it's worked for, I don't know how long, 15 years, 16 years. So I'm not changing it now. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, uh, on on dark days, I, I just do stuff around the farm. I try to help my wife out, help her with the kids, help her with the, the farm work and and just keep moseying along. I, I don't... Uh, I go home at night time, I eat a proper dinner, I sit down with my kids, we find out what happened at school and when I get home at time, so but no, it is what it is. It's it's life. Yeah, it's a busy life. I mean if you look at your racing agenda on a daily basis, you're at six or seven or eight or nine mounts a a day and then you're back at Churchill on uh, Halloween. So I mean it's it's quick and you, I mean, it's a full schedule for sure. So if you're starting at four in the morning, you, you may not get home until six or seven. And, uh, I mean, those are, those are really long days. Well, you know, this, this life, it's not for everyone. Um, you know, working on the racetrack is not for everyone. I, I believe me, it's, if, if I was smart enough, I probably wouldn't be doing it, but, I left school when I was 14 because I wasn't very smart. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I, well, I, I'll tell I you. wasn't very smart. I, I was, I was how, how would you say, I was distracted a lot. Yeah, I would say that. You had other goals in mind, for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I didn't want to be in a classroom. Yeah, it, I wasn't and like academically, a, as they would say, I wasn't academically present. <laughs> what were you getting into back then, James? Anything in good? Women? Anything? Everything and anything. Just as long as it wasn't involved in the classroom. I love your honesty. That's awesome. <laughs> I, it is what it is. Yeah. We, we make mistakes as kids. We, we learn to, you know, how would you say you... You learn not to do things you've done in the past, but it is what it is. You show up, you go to work, you. It was hot. what what really happened was is that I was I was very um I was in the classroom with some big windows, and there was always horses out in the field by the school. So I was always looking at them, and teachers didn't like me looking at the horses. So they said, "You can climb out that window and go home." So I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> really? Never went back. Oh, well, I was dragged back by mother, but 
Yeah, it didn't last very long. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you from years past, I, I, I've met you on the backside. You're cutting up, having some good jokes and laughs with folks during the break and very approachable. And I think our guests, you know, or our listeners should know that, that you're, you're one of a kind on the track and you race harder than most any, any of the jockeys we talk to. It seems like, or, you know, you're very consistent. I, I love you on the turf. I think you're just a natural at it. But today, you know, when we were watching this last race and, and, you know, cheering on Craig to hopefully you would win and sure enough you did. So, uh, it's, it's exhilarating to know you. Yeah. Look, I, I, I've, I've never met a stranger and I think that's part of the Irish. We never, we, you know, we're always very welcoming and, and this country has done a lot to me. It's, it's put me in a position to where it, it's fun to go to work, you know. It's not a grind. Um, I really enjoy what I do, so that makes it a whole lot easier. I don't mind working with a lot of horses. I, I think I figure, I figure if I know what their capabilities are, like that little horse today, I've never been on him only the two times that I rode him, and one was today, and I thought, the last day that he'd win with somebody else on and he didn't run any good so or I was just glad he Brendan pumped me back on and, and we got the money Hey uh, James real uh, we asked, I asked Julie Burke this a few weeks ago when, when she was on with so I ask you the same thing uh, you've been here long enough now do we all still talk funny? Do we, do yep. we sound funny? Yep <laughs> Yeah. Do I sound funny? Oh no 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 you sound just like the other two guys just exactly Yeah 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 <laughs> So, with that said, because you spent a lot of time in Louisiana, you spent a lot of time in Kentucky, uh, the Louisiana people talk funny to you, and we talk our own way of funny up here. I mean, is that what it sounds like to you? Well, it's 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 like uh, accents all over the world. Right. Um, you know, they're from somewhere. Like, even the New York accent is a little bit different. Right. You know, but you, you don't, uh, you don't uh, me, I, it don't matter. If I can understand you, you're in good shape. I agree with you. Which one of us sounds the most Kentucky? Of the three of us, who sounds the most uh, country? I think you do. Really? <laughs> I'm around a lot of them every day. That's great. That's great. I hear y'all. Yeah, there you go. But that's Southern. That's that's not really Kentucky. That's Southern. Yeah, you're that's right. You're right. Y'all, yes. Kids were all born in Louisiana, so they come out with some of that crazy <laughs> stuff too. <laughs> hey, James. So, yes, sir. if I can ask you about your card coming up, you know, the closing day at Keeneland, which I'd love to attend and get out there, but I don't think it's going to happen. But you've got a lot of mounts that day. Anybody in particular that's kind of that we should take note of, our listeners should follow. You've got. War Eagles Love, Pearl Earring, Swistle City, Countryfied, <laughs> Kingship, Freelancer, Dynamite, and Catwings. Well, Dynamite Scratch, he ran today. He ran yeah, today. that's right. I saw yeah. that. He won the last, was it the last race? No. He won the eighth, uh, eighth race on the card today. That's right. Uh, he's out. But, yeah, it's not, they've got shots. I really like, I really thought Freelancer was going to be a really good horse. Um, I I'm hoping he'll take a step, a step forward. Um, he's not the biggest of creatures, but he's okay. Um, but we've got we've got some shots. Look. Yeah, and when I you come back to Churchill on Halloween, I mean, you got a lot of babies, a lot of first time starters, maiden special weights. Wow, I mean, you've got and you're running for almost every trainer. The Sermo, O'Dwyer, Foley, you know, Amos, George Arnold. Hey, when you're in demand, you're in demand. But that, <laughs> that's another thing, too. It's um, like with Tom, I, I ride one, I think, maybe two for Tom. And them horses I've been getting on, um, I like them both. Well, maybe one I've been getting on. I haven't looked that far ahead. You've got me, you've got me in the flat. <laughs> um, but I do know I do know Rusty's horses are okay, um, especially as first time starters. Um, 
I ride a horse for Dale Romans. Is that yeah? That's Red Knobs. He's in the state. He's all right too. He was very unlucky the last day. Lucky juvenile in the September meet had to wait on room. I was I was in traffic, um, and he flew home and ran third. But he, there's there's a lot of potential being offered on on Sunday for you to have a look for next year's quality of of three-year-olds, you know? Well, we're hoping. Mm-hmm. Yet, lucky you keep on a few of them, you'll be, hopefully, you're in the right spots come come the first weekend in May, you know? Yeah. Right. Did we just hit your horse in the background first ever of the podcast? Yeah, I've got, I've got, yeah, you heard a horse in the background. <laughs> who is that? I don't know who it is. It's out in the field. It's dark. <laughs> it might not even be mine. It might be the neighbor's. <laughs> well, whoever well, that's is, awesome. They're uh, they're hollering and screaming. How, how many do you take care of at your farm? I have one, two. I think we've got nine on the property right now. Wow. Are are any of them thoroughbreds and retired racehorses? Yeah, I've got I've got a horse I win a bunch of races on that I took I I got off you Robertson actually. His name is Voodoo Spell. He's he's. He was pretty nasty when he when he was on the racetrack. Um, he was mean, you know. He'd kick you, he'd bite you, he would do everything he could not to have you near him. You know, he was just he was just a miserable gift. But he he's a cool horse. He he's one of them. He's one of them. After about three weeks here, he had his head down. He was eating grass, and he followed the kids around looking for treats. He was he's a big baby. I love him. Huh. He was one of the coolest horses I've ever ridden, and he he wasn't he wasn't a very good race horse, but he made a lot of money. Um, he did it the hard way. He was a starter horse, and I used to come from dead last when I'm going five and a half on the grass, and he'd be going so fast you couldn't even hit him. Hmm. He was wow. cool. He was wow. cool. Look him up. I think he went. I think he went twenty three. Our forty. And I think he was off the board maybe three or four times. I remember the horse. I remember him. Yeah, big gray, pretty animal. Um, but yeah, he's cool now. I we tack him up every once in a while just to piss him off. I think. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he, you know what? When we tack him up, he hasn't done that for for months. We throw tack on him, and he'd walk around the farm like, okay, I can deal with this. He, cool. He's fine. It's getting the tack on him is the problem. Paw you and kick you at the same time on the same side, which is kind of a little bit scary. Can't send the kids in to pack them up. Hey James, we come out there, Sonny. We care if we can, we'll stop by and say hi. All right? What do you yeah, think? No problem. Come on, I got plenty of work for you. <laughs> I didn't say that. Easy. Hey, Sunday's an off day, pal. <laughs> hey, I'm for, <laughs> for you, it's an off day. For me, you have to go on and ride a handful of horses. <laughs> I know. I know. Such is the life. Yeah. <laughs> Such is the life we choose. I, 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 I just, I don't think, I, we went on vacation for four days this year. That's not a vacation. No, no, no. You need, you need more than that. You need more than that. Yeah, but it's all right. I think I'm going to Ireland for two days. Oh man, that, no, that's a vacation. Oh, that'd, be, yeah. that'd be great. And wow. Well, yeah, hopefully your good. wife knows what she signed up for. Oh, she's, she's from there. She's been over there before. Oh, all right, good. She's good. been there plenty. She's from County Cork. I'm from County Dublin. We met in the middle somewhere. <laughs> awesome. We were dating about three months, and I and I whisked her off to America. Wow. <laughs> well, James, it's been a treat talking to you tonight, and uh, I'm so glad we connected this week, and so glad to have you on the podcast. We've got some merchandise coming in. When we see you at the track, I'm gonna, we're going to hand you a hat or something else we got coming. So no uh, we appreciate, appreciate you. And I we'll, appreciate you too. You're keeping me in business. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll have to ask Brad Cox if you can ride one of my fillies. We'll see how, what he says. So. You need to talk to Brad about that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, remember, I, I can remember, just say. I remember when Brad had... Maybe two horses in his barn at the fairgrounds one year. Yeah. 
after he got fired from the Midwest Thoroughbred people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now he's got a thousand and two horses. Yeah, well, at least he could throw me a bone every once in a while. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah. I think think they told me 68 two-year-olds, and we got two. Yeah. That's a good number. That means 68 (laughs) three-year-olds. That's right. (laughs) Potentially, it's 68 two-year-olds. That's right. So you look at Baffert, he has probably, what, 152 year old. Yeah, yeah. Then you have Todd Fletcher, probably got about 202-year-olds. Steve Asmussen probably has about 202-year-olds. No wonder nobody can win any races. They've got all the best two-year-olds. That's right. Brandon, you got to get James on a couple of Brad Cox horses, all right? Hey, I'm going to try. Hey, all you can do is ask. Don't force the issue. Yep. Or if the issue goes the other way, I've got so much say in this game. I've got so much say. It's it's amazing. Yeah, Uh, that's not happening. Yeah. Are you married? Are you married? Oh yeah, I'm married. I get no say here too. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. When you're married, good comparison. It is a good comparison. Like most well, good husbands, we do what we're told. Yeah, and if I could sneak out on Sunday to come see you at Churchill, I'll be there. Oh, perfect. Uh, I can't wait to see you. Good deal, man. Well, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Really All right. Good pleasure, you James. Thank, thank you, James. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was James Graham, a, a leading jockey on the Kentucky circuit and then also in, in, uh, New Orleans at the fairgrounds. Uh, uh, and, and that was, uh, that was very interesting to say the least. Am I right? He's so much fun. He is, he's a blast. In addition to being one hell of a rider, uh, he's funny as hell. <laughs> we love, we love having James on. We're still laughing about it. Yeah. And what timing, I mean, to him to close out the car to Keeneland for Craig to cash in a big ticket, a perfect in dramatic job. fashion. Absolutely. Yes. That, that was uh that that's that frown was turned upside down in the final eighth of a mile there in the last race today at Keeneland. Rem- remarkable finish. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh let's handicap a little bit here. The Churchill Downs has a big card as per tradition for opening day of the fall meet. An eleven race card. Uh nothing but two year olds. Just uh Know your pedigrees, do a little research, and hopefully you can come up with uh, a good combination of, of, of tickets. And uh, I had one of my biggest scores on this day about three, four, five years ago. Uh, so yeah, it's if I can do it, anybody can do it. So uh, let's uh, let's get started. Uh, we're going to cover the late pick five, and that starts with race seven, uh, seven through eleven. It also includes a stakes race. And uh, we're going to kick it off here with the seventh race uh, for uh, Maidens. It's a Maiden special weight, two-year-old Colts and Geldings, seven furlongs on the dirt. Uh, I don't have a morning line yet. The, the the card was just drawn today. This is Thursday, of course. I'm guessing that the favorite will be General Strike for Steve Asmussen, a, a son of Union Rags, that finished second as the even money favorite on September 18th. Uh, Alan, you've taken a look at this. Uh, what's your sense on uh, on on this race? Well, the two-year-old cars are traditionally fantastic. We love them. If you follow the circuit, you you haven't had the ability to get a bit of a heads up overall because uh, these horses run in the spring and in the, the summer, and these trainers point to these certain spots. So it's a fantastic car. This is one of the better races on the card. But before you, and again, this is on Thursday as we mentioned, and. Uh, only had a little bit of time to look through these, so bear with us and such. But this race all hinges on who draws in. Uh, because sitting there on the outside, the number 13 horse is Cyberknife by Brad Cox. And if he draws in, uh, this horse was unbelievable in his debut. Uh, you, we were there that day, CC. You remember he made the, took just tons of money in that, on that race. Yeah. You're absolutely and right. Up, and he, uh, but everybody thought he wanted more ground. Apparently that was not the case. He made a, uh, just a bold move on the turn 
and eventually wore down a horse up later on the car for Tom Amos, who was well meant that day as well, too. <clears throat> horse got disqualified out of the win. His tail end uh, hit, hit the Amos horse, kind of knocked him off stride. He's going so fast. So this horse already won as a good thing. So if this horse draws in, he's going to be just take take a beating. So if Cyberknife is in the race, pay attention. If he's not in the race, things get a little more wide open. Um so everything hinges on whether Cyberknife's in the race or not. Right. Uh, there are a few in here I think are interesting, though. I, I think Cyclone for Joe Sharp is very interesting. That horse ran third, passed eight horses in debut in a very tough two-year-old maiden race that was Cogburn for Steve Asmussen. Uh, a very nice Ian Wilkes horse named Altus ran second. Uh, this horse passed a lot of horses to get up for third. Worries me that Tyler Gaffleon goes to the rail horse in Seal Beach. But uh, Seal Beach has been very uh, – very well meant so far in his career. He's, he's raced very, not flashy, but has been very consistent. So I'm going to be looking at Cyclone a lot if um, the aforementioned uh, horse of Brad Cox doesn't draw in Cyberknife. There's a couple other ways to go. I think B-Sud for Dallas Stewart has a bit of a shot. Uh, I tell you, horse is kind of interesting to me. You mentioned General Strike, who obviously is a player, but Kennison, named after the late uh, great comic Sam Kennison because he's by distorted humor. Uh, it's trained by Armando de la Sarda, who comes up from Gulfstream with this horse. Uh, that guy does well at a Gulfstream, and he's bringing this horse up for a reason. Maybe they think he's better than, than the Gulfstream horses uh, that race down there. So the fact that he's here gives me a little bit of uh, intrigue. But overall, and Wolf County. Wolf County is going to be a big price for Brendan Walsh. But this horse took action against a well-meant Trafalgar last time. Didn't run a step, but had some issues. They take the blinkers off. I like the way they're working since. And he is a half to somebody. CC, look this up real quick. If it's a very good horse, he's a half to. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit rambling a bit. Pay attention if Cyberknife draws in. If not, then there's about four or five that can win it. We're talking about Wolf County's damn Don Raid. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think who that was. Pedigree query, folks. Use pedigree query. Yep, I don't have it in front of me, but hopefully CC does. That's where I'm headed right now. <coughs> Keep talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have a couple of friends at work who are from Wolf County. Uh, really? What's the county <coughs> seat of Wolf County? Huh? What's the county seat of Wolf County? Uh, you know? Oh, I should know that off the top of my head. Campton, maybe? Campton? Wow. Don Ray exaggerator, so there you go. Yes. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah, exaggerated. That's what it is. So yeah. your long shots in that race, folks, you might want to keep an eye on our Wolf County. And uh, the one I mentioned a moment ago, Kennison, a big prices. Again, pay attention to Cyberknife draws in a race. Yeah, Cyberknife's going to be three to five if he draws in. If he if yeah. he doesn't draw in, General Strike is beatable. Yes, very much so. Yeah. All right. Let's go to race eight. Uh, one mile allowance optional claimer. Look at this purse. This is beautiful. $127,000 for two-year-old fillies, which have never won a race other than maiden claiming yada, yada, yada. And I think uh, we have a standout in here. That's probably going to be number two penny saver for Kim McPeak and Brian Hernandez. Do you see it any other way? I'm playing a pick five because we plan on being at Churchill on Saturday. Then I'm just using two horses. And I think penny saver could be a star. Um, the horse did not run that well, but wheeling back quick off a maiden win for Ken McPeak. I'm a little surprised he took this spot. Maybe he wants to slow down the horse a little bit because the horse kind of faded down a stretch in the Alcibiades. But he still brings it back fairly quickly, or brings her back fairly quickly. Penny Saver's the one to beat. If for some reason that the, the, the recent schedule's taken a toll on her, as we mentioned with our buddy James Graham just a little while ago, rain check is a full too far sided uh who is a homebred for Rusty Arnold just like this horse and G. Watts Humphrey. That horse um uh, is a far side a seven furlong one turn extended sprint horse. Rain check proves that's exactly what uh she is as well. So if Penny Saver falters I expect Rain Check to run very well as well. So it would just be those two for me. Sounds good to me. Uh let's uh, move right along to race number nine. Another allowance optional claimer going a flat mile, one turn mile for two-year-old Colts and Gellings this time, and it's a other than, and I'll tell you what, I don't know. There's uh, several different ways to go here. Hoist the Gold is in here who ran second to Cyberknife that we just talked about. Uh, what do you think about uh, 
race nine. I think for me, it's a spread race. Uh, spread. I, I may try to go a little more narrow here. Again, we, this is uh, this is Thursday when the PPs came out. We haven't had a chance to completely pour over them the way we will in the next couple of days. That's what we do. That's what a lot of people do. But on first glance, with no morning line, I believe the two to beat in the race are the two horse, uh, Dr. Perry for uh, Steve Asmussen. Does not have Ricardo Santana's, but it's been kind of widely publicized lately that Santana's in a slump. But I don't pay much attention to that. Santana's an excellent rider. We all have our – I'm a horse player. I have my bad days. Santana's a heck of a rider, so I think we can maybe – uh, cool ourselves on the Santana uh, bashing of late, but this one against Julian Leperu, um, this horse was well meant in debut against Jack Christopher, who's going to be maybe the favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Um, so the horse was well well bet that day, well bet the next start at Churchill, where he completely aired against a really good field. This horse cost six hundred ninety thousand into mischief. Uh, I think that's the one to beat. The one directly to his outside hoist the gold, as we mentioned, got moved up off the second place finish when Cyberknife got taken down. But those two were well clear of the rest of the field. I expect hoist the gold to take some money, a little more season than Dr. Perry. To me, it's those two. Uh, but again, it's early in the week. So, you know, haven't done a deep dive, but uh, those, that's the way I would look. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you got the right horses there. Uh, it's a little boring, but you know maybe there's else chances elsewhere. This rail horse, uh, best of Cupid, hundred thousand dollar purchase, two year old purchase, uh, last race at I believe that's is that Century Mile? Is that in Kansas? That's, that's Carmarero Racetrack. That's Puerto Rico. That's Puerto Rico. Yeah, Camarero. Camarero. Yeah, Camarero. Oh, okay, okay. I was thinking Century Mile, but okay. Cool. That's uh, interesting. Calhoun and Gutierrez at the same connections. That connection. uh, yeah, hidden connections going to be in the juvenile fillies next Friday. So that's interesting. Yeah, let's really go is. on to going to race ten. This is the Street Sense Stakes. Street Sense, of course, won the Kentucky Derby for Carl Nafsker and Calvin Burrell. This is a mile and sixteenth on the dirt. All of these races are on the dirt as Churchill. Does not have a turf course this fall, but another good uh, wide open race. Uh, maybe favoritism goes to Howling Time from the Dale Romans Barn for the Outlaws. Uh, horses undefeated in one start. What say you, Alan? I actually do think it's one of the better races on the card. Uh, James, again, our buddy James mentioned Red Knobs earlier who I thought ran one of the more underappreciated races over the September meet when he ran a Really good third in the Iroquois to Major General. Uh, as James Sinners horse got caught in traffic, and you look up, and he only loses the race by length. Now, a lot of people knock the Iroquois field, but it's better than this field. So I think you have to keep you have to give an eye a look to Red Knobs. This is where I might take a little bit of a price in this spot. Uh, I can the morning line, but I'm guessing the horse I'm going to select is going to be a bit of a price at the very least, six, eight, ten to one. <clears throat> Lucky boss for Ken McPeak and Brian Hernandez. If you take a deeper dive at this horse, in his second start when he went around the ground at Ellis, he beat Kiss the Sky, who's in this race. He called me Gusto for Sarah Hamilton, who came back to win. So it's a pretty good effort. Second uh, second race at Ellis goes back to the seven furlong race, because that's where the stakes race was at. That's the, so they cut back to one turn. And as I remember, the horse closed really well that day, better than it looks on paper. Totally missed by half length. It's a really good horse called uh, Roger McQueen, beating another good horse for Steve Asman called Costa Terra. I remember liking this horse out of that race. Came back in the bourbon. Well, he was not the, the well-meant McPeak horse that day. Tis the bomb's the winner. That's McPeak and Hernandez. Uh, but I thought the horse ran pretty well. He came from dead last, breaking the 13th hole to, to be in it, eight by five lengths. Now he goes turf to dirt. Uh, I think maybe he might have needed that race. I think that's kind of a, a decent prep for this because coming out of that race, if you look at the bullet he worked on October 22nd out of that race, 59-2 and two going back to the dirt, this might be a case where the turf-to-dirt angle for a young horse makes the horse really move up. So I'm going lucky boss here. And if I was looking for the contrary singles, I'm cliche, as one of my cliches I like to throw out all the time, this might be one I might consider as lucky boss of a price. Let's not forget Red Knobs uh, for our friend James Graham. 
draws the outside post, not the not, not the greatest spot to be going two turns at Churchill. Big chance. Yeah, I think that horse has a has a closing uh, as a puncher's chance late. So I think pace could be an issue in this race too. I don't see a ton of speed in here. It's kind of reason I like Lucky Boss a little bit and the fact that he's a little more tractable. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I think the pace is something to keep an eye on in here. And race number eleven, maiden special weight, six furlongs, two year old fillies. You got to think there's probably a there's probably one that's live in here. Uh, probably you're going to have to do some digging to find out. Brad Cox has two of the entries. Uh, the uh, the five the four Philly promises to dance uh, for Barry and Joni Butzow, a daughter of Broken Vow. Then they have the uh, the twelfth Philly Firewolves, a daughter of Practical Joke. Uh, Martin Garcia picks that up, that one up. I would guess that one of those two is live. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you're gonna do some research, I think, on this last race. Who do you? Who, what do you think? This is a race where I can make an argument to go deep, especially if I was single earlier. Uh, but <clears throat> your point about Brad Cox is well taken. One of those two is probably live, and generally speaking, you're gonna go the one where he puts Drew on him. Uh, Drew's on the four promises of Dan, so that's something to keep in mind. But the two that really interest me. From a price perspective, uh, from a one quick look, is there's a first timer in here. Well, let's make that three in here. There's a first timer Dallas Stewart has for with Tyler Gaffley on the board. They do well together. I like the way this horse has been working uh, out of Malibu Moon. So I like Akila Moon a little bit. That's one I'd want to have on my ticket. But the two that really interest me at a price are the seven horse ain't broke uh, with. Brett Calhoun and Ray Lou Gutierrez. Again, as we mentioned, the same connection, the hidden connection. This horse may not be live. I don't know, but the pedigree is what, the pedigree is what, uh, raises my eyebrows a little bit. Uh, this horse is a fool to the Indiana Derby winner. Um, like the, the name escapes me at the moment. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? I believe it's the Indiana Derby winner. Look it up real quick, CC. Mr. Wireless, Mr. Wireless. Did Mr. Wireless win the Indiana Derby? Yes. Yeah, this is a full, this is a full to that horse. Plus there's another, cause you see dialed in, dialed in doesn't really get you going, but, um, uh, Mr. Wallace really got on a, a, a roll. So I see that. I see the 58 and three bullet at Churchill on October 9th, uh, and then comes back with a slow 102 and three. Kind of, this one kind of intrigues me at a bit of a price. I think it's going to be a number. The other one is Mark Cassie's horse to the inside. Beautiful empire. This horse showed a ton of speed after taking some money. Against the really highly regarded fame for Brad Cox, uh, this classic empire baby set the pace that day. He set a blistering pace, eventually stopped. May not be that good. I don't know. But the fact that he showed that type of speed in his debut against a really two or three really good promising young runners makes me think that maybe he needed the start. So I've got to have beautiful empire and I've got to have ain't broke on my ticket. The rest I could see where anybody else would. Take any crack anywhere else, but I want those two prices on my ticket. Uh, going back to the Calhoun Philly, uh, ain't broke. This is also a half sister to Ain't No Elmers. Yeah, who, very fast horse. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think she popped a big number on debut, like ridiculous number. So, yeah, we know this this barn can send them out early. So I think yeah, I think you got to uh, include that one. I'm looking up uh, the. Entry for Bill Morey. This is uh, Marissa's lady, the six horse. She's a gray daughter of violence out of a seized tizzy mare. I think this is a half sister to Richard's boy, who oh, was really? a stakes winner. Stakes winner for uh, Doug O'Neill, maybe back in the day. I think that horse is a stakes winner going long. Mm-hmm. But this is a uh, daughter of violence who sires very precocious uh, progeny. And we saw Bill Morey. I think, uh, you tell me, did he win first time out back in September with that horse? Uh, that was a son of practical joke. I think his horse is running on the same card today. Yeah, that's a, he beat, that's the horse we mentioned earlier. That's, that he beat the Steve Asmussen horse we think might be favorite yeah. in the card. Legendary. Had a start. Legendary, Legendary lore. Actually needed a start. So that was, yeah. that was his second start. I, that, that horse caught my eye, but yeah, I, I think maybe. I've got three days to figure this out, but I mean, if you could end with the uh, the two Brad Cox runners and ain't broke, I think uh, you'd have a ch- you'd have a shot of cash in the ticket. So, 
Yeah, there, yeah, you're right. There's a few others in there. There's this is seven or eight in here to win the race. But the ones I just mentioned, the ones I'd have to have, if that makes any sense to folks. And 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 the other Brad Cox horse is a practical joke. It's Martin Garcia, but that horse very well may be live as well too. So who knows? Right. But uh, it's a fun race. I think that's a fun way to end the card. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's end this right here. Uh, it was a, another fun podcast. Uh, thank james graham for joining us that was a that was a great conversation he's he's got to be maybe the one of the most interesting people we've met in a while so that's yeah. uh that was a lot of fun uh uh before we head out brandon uh anything else you want to add well i uh i think i'm getting my life back in order i'm not living out of a suitcase and hopefully be back on the pod in a couple weeks uh but breeders cup listen to us on tuesday i'm gonna be ready i'm gonna do some homework and then we're going to hopefully uh, get Sarah Clay into uh, the circuit court judge sheet. So more to, more to come in my life. More shame. Vote Clay. Life. Vote Clay. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So uh, on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, this is CC Broadus signing off and reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.